Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Road Show with a couple of guests today that I've been really looking forward to having on the show for a while now, but their schedules are bonkers. So to try and get their schedules to line up, to come on together was difficult, but it was important to me to have Jane Slater from NFL Network and Diana Rossini from ESPN on together because they epitomize to me a lot of what I think is right about the direction of women in sports journalism. Very publicly friends and supporters of one another and also other women in the field too, but also really good working sources and digging out stories and operating in an insider type of role. One that can be pretty tricky for a female, or at least it was tricky for me for reasons that we'll get into, but many that have been pretty highly publicized. You guys have undoubtedly read all the stories coming out of Major League Baseball from within the last year and from the Washington football team last summer. Stories about women having to navigate unwanted texts and comments from people affiliated with teams as they tried to do their jobs. And obviously those stories were about specific incidents and specific men and specific women, but I don't think there was a single woman in sports who didn't nod along feverishly as they read the articles relating to all of the things that the women in the stories went through and the reasons that they felt like they had to pacify the situation instead of call it out and fight it in the moment, because that is way harder than it sounds, because it really all comes down to power, right? Who has it? If you're a reporter, it's the person who has the information, the person tied to the information that it's literally your job to get and tell. And if you alienate the person who has that information, then ultimately you're going to be the one who loses. So you are the one who's taking a risk because what's going to happen? Is he going to feel embarrassed and avoid you and cut off your ability to do your job? Or is he going to get defensive and go on the attack, maybe pull other people into not talking to you? I mean, if it's a massive violation, then you report it to someone, right, and hope that they handle it. Though, frankly, that is risky too because oftentimes they don't handle it. But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about subtly demeaning and inappropriate comments. When someone that you think respects you and gets that you're only there for work throws you an unexpected curveball that suddenly makes the situation weird. When he jokes in a way that you know he wouldn't joke if his wife or girlfriend were there or if your husband or boyfriend were there. You know, just stuff that's more subtle, things that would sound stupid probably if you reported it to somebody. And I think that is the hardest stuff to navigate because You need the person professionally. And if you respond in a way that makes them feel defensive or embarrassed, then you risk alienation. You risk your access being shut off. You do a quick mental calculation that doesn't even take any time because you just know it in your gut immediately. Which way of handling this will cause the least collateral damage for me? Because that's the worst part of all of this. You, in a moment where you are offended, have to decide whether or not you're willing to make things worse for yourself. No more scoops. No more sound bites. No more things you need to do your job. Will you be the girl who can't take a joke? The girl who takes herself too seriously? The girl you just can't be yourself around? Gotta walk on eggshells around that girl. I mean, there's so many small things that are said to train us to go with the flow and laugh off the small shit. And sometimes the not so small shit. We've all been there. And I always get so frustrated with the why did she wait so long to say something thing because the way you're talking about her now wasn't something she wanted at all. And it took her a minute to decide which was worse to live with, to do the calculations. I get it. I mean, thank God I've never been in that position for a big thing. But I get it, because the same thought process exists for the small things that aren't small. (laughs) 
You know, like women should be able to do their job without having to be defensive or feel like they're keeping your inappropriate behavior a secret, which ends up making you feel complicit in a way. I remember one time I got a phone call in the middle of the night from an athlete who was drunk and out with friends and called me to say what's up. And I was in a relationship and I was mortified, like hitting the volume button on my phone all the way down because I didn't want my significant other to hear what was happening and think that there was a reason that this person thought that was an appropriate call. Like I'd done something to invite that phone call. But I also knew immediately that I couldn't afford to tell the athlete how inappropriate his call was. I pictured him suddenly denying my post-game interview requests. You know, my job was going to require me to go up to him, smiling, hat in hand, asking him for the favor of a post-game one-on-one because they don't have to talk to you. They could talk to other people. You need them to talk to you. It's all a power dynamic. Again, it's all about power. Anyway, it feels terrifying in that moment to realize that you need to make a split-second decision on how to handle a moment in which you don't feel like you have a lot of power and you feel like you have a lot to lose if you handle it wrong. And surely there are right ways to handle it, right? People who are really good at diffusing in an assertive way that doesn't make the other person feel like they need to feel defensive, but also so that they get the picture. I don't feel like that's a strength of mine. I hate confrontation. I feel like I can go from zero to bitch pretty quick. And I don't trust that my attempt to be assertive won't end up feeling threatening. So anyway, that's a me thing. But my guess is that there are a lot of other women who have been in this situation who feel similarly. And that is one of the reasons that I wanted to have Jane and Diana on together, because what they do requires them to navigate that fine line, to have figured out a way to handle those situations well. I never did. I just stopped being in this situation, frankly, because I moved into the studio and the power dynamic there is totally different. It's like a home turf thing, I think. But anyway, it's Women's History Month which I have mixed feelings about too. I love the messages of support for women in sports. Feels a little thoughts and prayersy though, like an easy way to be supportive without actually being supportive. But whatever, it's also a huge time for Jane and Diana because of free agency and the draft and they're like in the thick of their source working on the phone constantly with their contacts around the league. So it feels like a good time to talk about how they do that as well as a few other things. They're both awesome reporters And interestingly, also very good friends. And that's where we started our conversation. So let's break the huddle. This is why I wanted to get you guys on together. One of the reasons I wanted to get you guys on together, because I think that your relationship is such an interesting one in an industry that really doesn't, um, it's not built in a way that really promotes like close female friendships because, you know, we all kind of end up being pit against one another, or at least maybe historically have been because it's very like we have one role here for a female. We're going to put a female on this show. There's going to be one of them. That's enough, you know? And then, so you kind of know that you're competing for the same jobs um, while you're coming up. And I think that it's interesting that you two have just totally like refuse to buy into that at all. Like you guys support each other very, very publicly. Um, how did you guys get to be friends? Where'd you first meet? Well, it was on my birthday weekend uh, in Cleveland. The Cowboys were playing the Browns. And I think a lot of and a lot of girls in the business I'm friends with these days, you know, you sort of start off as uh, you follow each other in social media, but you're not f- real friends. You're kind of what we call like social media friends. Yeah. 
And I think you just kind of like respect their hustle. Um, and so I just remember Rossini, like, you know, showing up being Jersey Shore Rossini. Uh, and I just so authentically like Texas girl, you know, Dallas. And I just, there was just an authenticity and an energy and enthusiasm about Diana. And I think as we sort of, what I always respected in her is there are girls in this business who have gotten lucky and have gotten breaks and I, I don't fault them for it. You know, I've, I've had my own breaks at various points in my career, but there are also some of us that have done the local news grind that have like worked our way up, you know, to the network level and the sorority gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And what I love about her is it started off with just, you know, you have to develop a trust. Like you're sharing some of the info that you have and you have to trust that they're not going to run with it themselves or use it against you. But then it like flourished into like an authentic like friendship where like I'm FaceTiming her and, and her sister, Nicole, and I'm obsessed with her nephew. So like, I think there was like this one period here lately, like we didn't speak for four days. She finally actually took a vacation with her husband. I think that's the longest we hadn't talked. I mean, normally we check in with each other every single day. And because what we do is so different, you know, I think a lot of people think it's, oh, it's a cool job and it is, it's an awesome job, but there are nuances to it and complexities to it that aren't like a sales job, that aren't like being a teacher or an attorney or a police officer. And so I just think it helps feeling like you authentically have someone in your corner that's not only looking out for you, or if I'm over tweeting, it's like Slater, get off the internet. Um, Has that happened authentically recently? Wants you, yeah. Or authentically <laughs> wants to see you succeed. And I think that's the rub is I think there are plenty of people in this business that they only want you to be as successful as long as it's not more successful than them, you know? And so I think with Rossini and I, it's like, we literally are each other's biggest cheerleaders. So I always say like, the sign of a true friendship, I think, or at least a healthy one is being okay with the light shining bright on your friend and not you. And I wasn't always like that. I always wanted the light, you know, and I'd even say like in the last few years, I've developed into being confident enough in my own ability to recognize that there's space for everybody and you can be happy for other people. And that day in Cleveland, when I met Jane for the first time, I'd been a sports center anchor. And it was my first NFL game for ESPN. And I was a nervous disaster. And Jane really set the tone for what our friendship would be, which was going to be complete openness and care, which was, hi, I'm Jane. I cover the Cowboys. I know you probably don't know much about this team. What, what can I help you with? And that I'm, I always approach things with a very New York, New Jersey sort of attitude, which is I trust nobody. I'm distant from people. I'm nice. I'm warm but I usually don't like you. Like, that's just the way I am. I can't help it. Everyone in my family is the same way. You have to work your so, way in. Yeah, it just takes mm -hmm. a bit. Mm -hmm. And it took Jane a bit too with me. But I just remember, I've never had anyone approach me like that of just complete, like, honesty of, I, I want to help you. I'll help you. I'm not going to screw you. Mm -hmm. um, and when, I don't... Well, because in a lot of ways, I think the thing in the back of your head, right, is... That there could be a, if you do slip up on this assignment, then maybe there's an opening for Jane, who's in the same business. Maybe now Jane is crushing it at the same game and ESPN might notice what Jane is doing. Yeah. So there is a somewhat of a novelty in that, like, you know, I'm not going to keep all the information that I know. I'm going to actually help you share it on maybe even a larger platform than the one that I'm on. Like, yeah, that's sort of unheard of. I think what's helped for us, too, though, is we're in kind of two different lanes, if that makes sense. Like she's more all 32 and I'm very 
Cowboys centric. And I might cover the Titans or sometimes I'll cover the Saints more than her. Like the only time we really overlap is Titans and Saints. And on those weekends, we might help each other, but I think we actually love being a little bit competitive to see like, all right, who's going to get, you know, it's like game recognizes game that weekend. Like we love that, but like we would never, I can speak for myself. I would never try and cut her in an assignment or do something that would make her look bad. Like, in fact, like I told her when you did the, the demonstrative standup of wearing the Kevlar vest and you took the baseball bat to your uh, producer, I loved it. And I'm like, God, if I'd had that game, like she would have literally made me look like, I would have just literally gone, man, she did better than me today, but I loved it. If that makes sense. And so I love when I see her come up with these, like she challenges me in different ways. Like if, you know, like I might've helped her that day in Cleveland, but where she helped me was she ended up coming to combine with me that year. And Brucini's ability to hone in on here, are the G- GMs we need to get to know, or the coaches we need to get to know. And like the way she would help leverage her relationship with them to help me get in with them was it paid dividends for me over the years. And I use a lot of like other GMs and coaches in this league to give me context as it relates to the Cowboys. And so Maybe if we were both at ESPN trying to go for the same job, it might change the dynamic of our friendship. I think that we've got enough, you know, uh, I think we're both very comfortable with where we're at. I'm very comfortable in my lane with what I'm doing. And I think she's kind of found her groove with what she's doing. But I could see if two people in, the, in an organization were going for the same job. There are some complexities because as you put it, I've been in places where for me, it was worse in local news when there were a ton of young girls versus just one or two. Like, I think it's easier for me to align myself with a few girls and make this like our little sorority versus in local news. It was, I mean, Rossini talks about how she, I was vicious. Like I remember back in the day, like if there was like a story, we would put our business cards on the door and I took pride in taking that business card, replacing it with my own. And I had like a cup on my desk and I was like, got another one. Like I, and I hated what local news and the competitive of that. And like, I wasn't friends with a lot of girls in my market. In fact, even when I was in Denver, when I had Facebook, I wouldn't even, uh, accept any coworkers. Like I just wanted to like total separation of church and state. And I just, I think when you realize how hard sports is even harder for women, I think you realize that you're stronger together than you are apart. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. Do you think it takes getting to the point, though, where like Diana, you said that you felt comfortable, like you were getting your shine so that you could kind of feel comfortable knowing that you're still going to get yours if Jane's getting hers and if, you know, somebody else is getting theirs, that it actually doesn't detract from that? Could you have been in that headspace before you actually felt comfortable with the amount of spotlight that you were getting? There's about 10,000 advantages of being young and naive even in your 20s doing this job but there's one gigantic advantage of being older and that's experience. And I lean on it so much to give me confidence because I've worked in seven markets because I've been on gigantic news stories and I've broken big stories in the NFL that I've, I've learned that one, another one will come its way. Like every day there's new news. There's another story, but also I'm, I'm finally comfortable in my skin with where I'm at professionally. Um, I want to get better. I still need to get better. But when you put in the work and the time and, and you've, and you've hit a lot of lows along the way, it's helped you, it helps you figure out a way to crawl out. 
So I always kind of feel like I'm prepared to fall again because I've fallen so many times. And it, it's, it's kind of fun to have a couple of scars or a lot of scars in, in some of our cases. Um, so my ability to get along with women in our business is actually just, it's not that I'm that nice. It's just, I'm in a better place now. And, and I, I hope it comes off that way too, when I interact with women and, and even men, uh, cause men are just as difficult to read and understand and form friendships with. Uh, I'm friends with men in this business now that I wasn't friends with three years ago. Um, cause they didn't get me. They didn't understand what my deal was. They thought I was just rough around the edges and ruthless and, um, and, and people always um, sort, of, sort of associate my name with being relentless and willing to do anything. And and there's some of that is true because I'm competitive, but I'll, I'll always be true to like, not to sound corny, like an athlete, but like to my last name, like that's more important to me, like Camille and Ricky's daughter and doing it the right way. And, and I feel like that's really helped guide me when I wanted to crush other people. You know, Lindsay, you've seen it a lot with other women in this business who are purposely mean to each other or uh, I had an interaction with another reporter who was just basically shooting down information I was putting out there and she, she was on my team she was on the same work for the same network I'm like what are we doing you know and I wanted to say so many things and you learn like you don't you don't need you don't need to go there um so that if, if that's one thing I think has helped with definitely my relationship with Jane is just it's almost it was like timing it's just I like where where I was at I also think, you know, because Racine and I have talked about this for so long, I think I felt it worse when I was doing sports talk in Dallas. I always am very transparent about this. I feel like it was the first job I ever got that I probably didn't deserve. And I got it because I was a woman. And there were obvious challenges doing a five-hour sports talk show, talking about multiple sports for four hours a day, five days a week. And we had like, um, if, if I think Twitter's bad some days, like, I mean, I developed leather skin because every day it was just the worst things you can possibly think of. And not to sit here and tell a sob story, but I'd gone home several days just crying, being like, I'm not cut out for this. Like somebody else deserves this job more than I do. Maybe I should go back to news. But now I can authentically say, I know that I outwork so many others in this business and now I truly feel like I've earned a spot and the job that I have is because of my hard work. And I think once you have that confidence to Diana's point, yes, there's still absolutely room to grow. And yes, there's, you know, there's so much more that I want to do. I think there's a humility in it because you've worked so hard to get where you're at. But it's also, I used to always be worried if things were going too good, when was the shoe going to drop? Because I was at so many different places where it was like, a new sports director, a new news director changes. It's a very subjective business as it relates to, it's not enough to be good. Sometimes you have to be, you have to look a certain way and, and that that's hard. Um, but I think if the shoe dropped, I've got enough confidence to Rossini's point where I've been okay. And each time, like it didn't work out somewhere, it worked out even better somewhere else. And I think when you remove sort of the ego from this business, which is hard because our business attracts so many narcissists. I mean, I'm a narcissist. You're a narcissist. And Lindsay, I'm sure if you did some deep diving, there's narcissism in you. Like you almost have to have a level of narcissism to be like, I'm the smartest person to go on TV and tell you about a situation that I'm not personally involved in. Like that's narcissism at its, at its core. But I just, I think that when you learn to kind of remove the ego a little bit 
it makes it easier to work with others. And I've been telling Rossini about this. My favorite book that has really helped me this year is The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. It is fascinating, but it helps you understand others, yourself, motivations. And I've just really gotten so much better at not taking this job personally because this job is so easy to take personally. Yeah. Well, because it's a very subjective job. So in a lot of ways, it feels very personal because when people like the feedback is all, it's always personal, you know, one of the things that's always bugged me. And I got to a point where like, you know, certain comments just like, you know, go right off, wash right off. But like it, when, um, people are like, um, that you'll work really hard on constructing a story or, you know, the content that you're delivering or thinking of carefully curated questions for an interview or something like that. And then the feedback is that they don't like the way you look that day, or they don't like your dress or that your voice is screechy or like, why do you laugh so loud or things like that. And so a lot of the feedback isn't actually about anything that you really brought to the table. It is literally about you. And then there is also an element of this that, you know, we're not stupid. Our bosses are looking at things in those ways too. I mean, a lot of the feedback I've gotten from bosses over the years, I'll sit down for some sort of feedback session and it's those sorts of things. And I'm like, are we talking about my hair? Like I just, I work my ass off to write the show every day. You know what I mean? Like no one notices yeah. the like clean segues, you know, like oh, I let's talk cons- about that. that. Like transition I, I made. Hello. I, I had a consultant once. We literally <laughs> had an argument about that because I sat in the consultant and, you know, at the time, like I had this boss that used to come in every day and be like, hair's gotten a little long shortly. <laughs> I mean, always about the hair. And then she thought she'd convey the point further by having a consultant tell me that my hair looked like straw and I needed to get it fixed. And I'm sitting there going, I'm barely making any money. I'm freelancing. Like, I think I've done some really great breaking news here. I've been a fill-in anchor for you and that's your feedback. That was that was the most frustrating part. But I will say like, as much as you're fascinated with, with Rusini and I's relationship, having worked with you, the one thing, there were a few things that always stood out to me about the way you did and things. And I wish more women in our business were like this because the reason why it was so memorable to me was because it was so rare. It was so rare. When I had come in to talk Cowboys and like they'd had me like co-anchor a few segments, you couldn't have been more excited for me. You wanted to make sure I shined that day. There was, you were not threatened. You did not, you were not hateful or hurtful. I mean, some girls make some really passive aggressive statements. You could not have been more supportive. And that, that was one thing that stood out to me. The other thing that stood out to me was if you've ever been a reporter or you've been an anchor, you've been a producer, and and I know you've done all three. I think you've done all three. I've done all three. You understand the importance of all of those people talking in order to have a good show. It takes extra time to pick up the phone and call a reporter and be like, what are you working on today? And like, Hey, by the way, how's this lead in? In other words, the lead in, I don't want to give away all your information. So I want you to shine. How's the best way for me to set you up to do that? And I always thought that that's what made you so special and why I loved working with you. And I wish that more girls could see that. And I wish that earlier in my career, I'd done that for other people more. I think you guys in the field, um, and you've brought up some interesting adjectives, I think, Diana, about like, people viewing you as relentless or Jane, you talked about how you've gained confidence, you know, as you've gone on through your career. Um, 
one of the things that I always felt as a reporter, and one of the things that younger reporters ask me to this day that I do not know how to answer, that I'm curious about um, how you guys deal with this, because stories pop up every five seconds, is how to be a reporter in this business in a way that feels safe. And, um, you know, you're constantly gauging like what your sources actually want from you. Why are they opening up this information? How do I navigate this, this situation? And I feel like, um, it's a much trickier situation to navigate. And it's one that I never frankly figured out how to navigate. Cause at some point in my career, I just shifted into a studio role, not purposefully. It just sort of happened that way. So I never really had to figure out how to develop sources and have definitely been in situations where, I had, you know, I'd like try my hand at it. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to work this source and I'm going to get some information. And then, you know, six months later, you get this like tweet out of the blue. That's like, I thought this person was my friend and I thought they respected me and this is very inappropriate. Now I'm going to ghost them. So I think the fact that you guys are in the lane that you're in is so interesting. And when you use the word relentless and ruthless and all this kind of stuff, um, Diana, I, I, I find that interesting and I kind of want to know more about it. I've had more I talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah, we, we do. We share a lot in our, our war stories of it. Um, not so much anymore, which is great because that I think your name gets out there and you get established and the message is out. Like, this is the way she rolls, um, which is important why when you start out, you have to make sure you don't make mistakes, that you're not pushing it too much, that you're not going down that road because it's tempting when you're young. Um especially when you're close in age with athletes. Like I, I yes. remember that thinking like now I'm like old enough to be literally some of their mothers and their mothers. Are yeah. Closer and then so it does get a little like, bit easier. I think. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, but it's, oh, that's always going to, I, it's the most common question I get as well. Um, I've received, and this is, this is very, um, open, I guess, but I've had more difficulty navigating men in our business and executives in our business than actual players, coaches, GMs, and owners, agents. I've had more situations dealing with that in the workplace than I have actually in the locker room, um, which I think is interesting when I work in a field with hundreds of thousands of men every day. And I, I've never really felt it to be an issue. And, and a lot of it really has to you have to set the tone. Uh, I made mistakes early on. My first sports, my first football job was in Washington. And, you know, I, I dressed a certain way. I was young. I was really fit. Um, I liked looking sexy. I thought that that was empowering at the time. Um, for me, it made me feel good. And I learned quickly in the locker room. It just, it just drew the wrong attention. Men weren't talking to me because they wanted to help me. They thought I had other, um, intentions by dressing that way in the locker room and not dressing professionally. So something as like basic as just dressing, I think is really important. Uh, especially when you're starting out, I think that that was a lesson I learned. It actually took me a while to really finally go just playing at conservative and, and be cool. Um, and then eventually, you know, m most of the relationships I've had and, and, you know, Jane and I talk so much like, Oh, we work so hard. We work so hard. And, and she and I do this all the time where we forget to actually say, yeah, we work hard. We do. We've been given amazing opportunities, but we've also had significant people in our lives in the NFL, in the broadcast media business, help us. And those are relationships in, in itself. Um, so everything I know I can speak for myself. I cannot, I would not be here without the people that have helped me. 
and those came through relationships. Um, but, but I, I think setting a tone and, and, and finding a space where people can trust you. And, and a lot of it really comes down to who you are. Um, the person I am when I talk to players and coaches is exactly who I am. If I was with the three of you at dinner, I'm pretty much the same all the time. Um, but I just make it known, like, look, you don't have to help me. Like if I'm talking to a player, like, look, you don't have to help me. I'm just, I'm curious. And then if something inappropriate comes back, it's usually like, Hey, it's not like that. And 99% of the time they never bother you again. Wait. So your response is, Hey, it's not like that. Yeah. Sorry. It's not like that. Like nice try, you know, and I'm not like a a total ass about it where I'm like, uh, excuse me. I am a woman trying to be something like I, I don't do that. Um, I'm just like, but it's a yeah, delicate dance. It's a delicate dance thing. because there have been situations where you rebuff their advances and then you're penalized for it. In other words, you've bruised their ego. And like I said, go back to, again, the psychology of what we do. Athletes are no different. There's a narcissism uh, associated with it. So, you know, you've got to be careful and cognizant of that. But I think to, to Rossini's point, it's such a complicated uh, discussion because when I hear from girls and the first question they always ask is like, how hard is it to be, um, you know, a woman in the business? I, I actually think when I start off in 03 versus to now, it is so much different. There's so many more opportunities. There's so many more websites. And I think, uh, the girls that I've interacted with, at least here in the Dallas market, as it's grown, Jory Epstein, Shereen Williams, like some of the, like I use Shereen as like the godmother of Dallas sports. And then Jory is this up and comer who, literally graduated from UT three years ago and she's now USA Today sports and she's, you know, broken, you know, the women's uh, college basketball scandal at Texas Tech. I love the way she works, but I think it is asking smart questions, doing your research. One of my mentors, I don't think he'll mind me saying it is Rod Marinelli. And the reason why Rod and I hit it off was, you know, his daughter is a female chef in Vegas and, and it's a boys club. And, he saw me show up one day with a yellow legal pad, as I always do. And I'm recording, but I'm taking copious notes. He was like, that's old school. I haven't seen that. And I will get text messages from him like, be great today, win today. Here's a great book that I have for you. I want you to study cover three and understand like why it's so meaningful and why it's effective. I have got some amazing male mentors in this business. And so like, I feel like, yes, there are some guys that, you know, shoot their shot or, there have been some that have, like, I was at Combine a couple of years ago and I was standing too close to a particular coach, receiving as a story. And he asked me not to stand so close to him because he didn't want people to think there was something going on. And I was, I wanted to sit there and go, there's plenty of other male reporters standing around and no one, you know, and we can't always get these guys to go grab dinner or a cocktail with us because yeah. again, of the optics of it. I also am very cognizant of texting them during normal operating hours. In other words, starting at maybe 7.30 in the morning and not texting at 8.30, 9, 10, unless it's something significant. Because again, I think I want to respect their families and their lives as well. And then I think they show you the same respect. So I've really gone out of my way also, I think, to authentically endear myself to their families. Um, And so I think like, there are so many things I think that women are uniquely better at. And I think it's relationship building. It's getting people to open up. I think there's an, like there's an empathy that we have that men don't. And so I think we can lean into that and actually be very successful in developing sources. But I do think there is still the optics sometimes that you have to get past. But I think as Christina 
talked about, as you start moving a little bit further along in your career and you establish some credibility, I, I do think it's not as awkward to see a Diana Rossini or a Jane Slater sitting and having a drink or dinner at Combine as it might've been our first two years. Yeah. Oh, for and sure. Your brand. Talk, about, talk about the wedding ring. How do you think? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so to add, so Slater just told that story about standing next to the coach. Um, I had a, a male, he's, he's actually more of a, me- he never gave me scoop, really annoying, but he was more of a mentor. He used to give me advice all the time. He's brilliant, brilliant coach. Um, when it came to just life stuff, I, ju- I wish he was a better football coach, but, uh, he said to me, Hey, just a little, just a little piece of advice. You should always leave the restaurants and the bars at the combine, like 1130 midnight. And I said, why? He said, cause it's a really bad look. If you're in the bar talking to uh, coaches and stuff, you know, one o'clock in the morning, that, that's a bad look. And I lost my mind. Like I always get along with him. And I, I just, I couldn't believe he said that to me. I said, so Schefter and Ian and Dan Graziano and Jeff Darlington and, you know, I named every guy I could think of off the top of my head at the time can be out. But because I have a vagina, I have to go home at the thought that that potentially a man and a woman would have sex. Like, are you kidding me? And he called me like a week later to apologize. And it wasn't because I made him feel so bad. He's like, I thought about it. I talked to my wife about it. And you're right. It is unfair to you. You should do whatever you need to do. That's everyone else's issue. That's not your issue because you know who you are and the decisions that you're making. You know who talks about that is Sheryl Sandberg with, you know, she wrote Lean In, which is one yeah. of my favorite books. She said, you know, when you go on a conference, and, and I wouldn't do this, but she talked about how a lot of guys will wrap up, like if the restaurant's closed, if somebody has a suite, they're like in they're working at a law firm and they've done a deposition and they finish upstairs, like, in the suite and how like uncomfortable that is. A woman can't do that. So how are you going to finish the work? I mean, obviously Zoom kind of addresses that challenge these days. <laughs> you can't just Zoom it together. But, you know, she kind of talks about that. For me, I wouldn't feel comfortable in that setting. At Combine, I think some of the best content I've gotten, quite frankly, is at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. But I and we always, also roll in numbers. We stay we, together. We always roll, to get, roll together. It's the buddy system, which people never quite understood with us. But like... I, that's why I love the combine is we've been so successful rolling out together. If there's a, a coach's dinner or whatever, we bring the other person. It's just an accountability buddy. But also when I, I've got really great guys in this business that look out for me, Albert Breer, Mike Silver, uh, Jeff Darlington. So if I look around the restaurant and they're not there, I'm not there either. So I always like to almost feel like one of my big brothers in the business is, is around as well. But I just think it's situational. crazy though that we have to do those kinds of mental gymnastics. You know what I mean? Just Or even what we would wear, Linz, to restaurants. Like I remember one year I wore a pretty low top and Jane and I shared a hotel at the time because I wasn't even an NFL reporter yet. I was just a sports center anchor and she let me come out there to sleep in her room because I just wanted to, to, to network and meet people because I knew I wanted to transition to football. And I remember when she came out of the bathroom with her blazer on, she looked like, so, she looked so businessy. And I was like, we're going to dinner. And I just remember like learning in that moment, like, mm, she's right. Like set the tone of this is all business. Why are we going to give them something to talk about when, you know, you can control that message a bit, which stinks, right? We can argue well, like that. I should be able to walk in my bikini, but it is the perfect it is. example is our social media accounts. I mean, that's something that was holding me back in my career for a long time, which was maddening yeah. to me. I think for the long, I think for the longest time, 
uh, I didn't quite recognize uh, the team that I cover and some of the attention that comes with covering the Cowboys. And so I think as naive as this sounds, even as a 36-year-old at the time, I can just post me out in the lake with my friends wearing bikinis or whatever. And I didn't think they were ever like thirst traps or anything necessarily too provocative, but (laughs) that was holding me back. Like I had colleagues openly telling me that I had bosses that I was triggering with this stuff. And I remember having a conversation with one of my bosses and screenshotting multiple accounts and saying, why is the problem you have with me here? Not a problem for them. Like, and so There are, I think, a lot of mental gymnastics that come with this job. I think what I have learned, though, is like the bosses that brought those things up to me genuinely didn't want me to be viewed through that lens. They Mm -hmm. always wanted me to be viewed through the lens that they saw me through, which was a hell of a reporter. And it was actually them looking out for me. I I think there are people out there, and again, I don't want to name names, but I think there are people that are incredibly sexy in our line of work, but are also really good. And I'm always like, man, they are the hardest worker in the business, but what works for some doesn't work for others. And I think Racine and I've just kind of gotten to a place where it's like, don't give them a reason to use something against you. And so for me, if it was staying away from the social media thirst traps and stuff that are with our generation, I mean, I'm a grown ass 40 year old woman, like it was probably time to move away from that period. But I do think that I've dealt with a lot of young girls that I mentor that get themselves hung up on this whole TikTok thing. And so to them and their friends, TikTok is, you know, like they're mouthing a provocative video or they've got, you know, a cute bathing suit and they're taking heat for it. There's such a line still between what is journalism? How is journalism involved Mm. in sports? Is sports true journalism? Is it entertainment? And I don't think there's any hard and fast rules anymore because I think Now our industry has told us we've got to also, we're entertainers, we've got to self-promote, that our brand is tied to our success at our network, but you've also got to be a credible reporter. And what works right now in every facet of everything that's entertainment is authenticity. So the whole old school Big J (laughs) journalism you are not the story. Don't insert yourself into the story. You be a fly on the wall telling me who it is. Those people are going to get left behind because they don't have big social media followings or people don't feel any kind of connection to them when they're talking. So it's for a variety of different reasons. It's kind of and best to be yourself, was, but then being yourself is a little bit of a tricky, it's a and tricky thing how to much do you want to share, right? Like right. Jane so, and I have a very different style with social media. We always did from day one. And we never really criticize or comment. Once in a while, we just, I'll just, she'll say something like, stop posting so much work. You're so boring. Or I say, you know, usually for her, I'm like, damn, you look so good. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever like, it is. The club. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I also always respected that she just really is who she is. She's comfortable with it. But I think being able to share a little bit about you is important. You know, I tell Dan Lebetard all the time, he absolutely changed my career just from being on his show. Just from sharing, a, no one knew anything about me before I was on Dan Lebertard's show. Not a thing. They just knew I was this new, this newsy NFL chick. Mm-hmm. And then I just started talking about my family dynamic a little bit. And I wasn't sharing really deep stuff. Even what I share now is very surface. And, you know, I reference my husband and I'll reference my sisters and my brothers and all them. But I, I'm still not really putting all, you, you don't really know as much as maybe you would think, you know, Be, and, you, and I'm, 
careful about it because Mm -hmm. I do want my work to always be the best part of what I'm doing right now. And it's what I want the world to see, to be honest. I have enough people I share my real stuff with. Well, and you're bringing plenty of content shit to the table. So you do want that to shine, you know? Yeah. But it Um, is funny. Like when I look back on, you know, like I was obsessed with Diane Sawyer growing up and I remember meeting her at the DNC and how down to earth she was and fun. I remember the audio was like her, like a little drunk after one of like the elections, like leaked on the internet. And I was just like, I love her. Like she just felt, she didn't feel as like, you know, I, I just, I do feel like, like journalism is changing. And before mm-hmm. there was very hard and fast rules. You did not comment on politics. And in our business these days, now it's like, you know, you're, you're commenting on politics and it's, I just think we're in this weird space with journalism these days. And, and for me, the hardest thing, even just about my social life was when I would share with my bosses, I'm like, you want us to share our lives, but sometimes my life may not look the way you think it should look. And I think based on how all of us grew up, our experiences are very different. So in the absence of hard and fast rules, how do I navigate that? You know, like, how do I assume what my life should look like? And so again, it's so crazy that we're talking about journalism and our jobs, but these are all of the considerations that also like weigh into like what we do. And again, it just comes full circle. That's why it's great to have someone that you love and respect. And you know, that like knows what you do for, because if you tell your family and friends like, Oh, you're amazing, sweetie, you're doing great. But when you have somebody that understands authentically what you're doing, they can, they can as authentically as possible, help walk you off the ledge, validate you. It's just, I mean, our friendship Give you some is, practical advice. Yes. You know, do you, yeah. So help me if work, you do find like, yourself in a weird, yeah, I had a lot exactly. of that. Um, I had a little bit of a meltdown at the Super Bowl. And sometimes you just like have someone reset you a little bit like, Hey, th- th- these are your tools. Let's not like, like Jane kind of got laid into me a little bit of like, why are you even going in this headspace over here? Where, where, where did this come from? Like, let's get back to what you're good at. Start your day, your first day at Super Bowl this way. I was letting the environment intimidate me a little bit. I was concerned about two things that I never think about when I'm in the field. All of a sudden I became this like 25 year old reporter again. Like, like I didn't know what I was doing. Which is crazy because she like crushed this year and broke all these stories and like had like authentically earned like something that, you know, we'd gone to Super Bowls, you know, kind of as tourists the last couple of years. I was so (laughs) proud of her that she got this gig. But I think it's funny, like people don't realize like they're like, you're constantly second guessing yourself sometimes in this job. And so yeah. I think again, going back to Rusini and I, I think she and I are a little bit more Zen these days because we're like, trust yourself. We're balanced. Yeah. <laughs> we're well, the goal line out. moves too. Yes. Right. It, and it's the perfect example of like in every single thing in life. Right. And you hear people tell this story all the time about how they had the dream and then they reached, they got to where the dream was and they still weren't happy. Like yeah. it's because you move the goal line and you're constantly like, okay, what's the next thing? And then I am here and it's hard to stay. And then if you're just happy with where you are now, you're content and that's not even good. Like you're always supposed to have more goals. Like, where do you want to be? in? like there, there have been times within the last decade of my life when I would, you know, was hosting total access or whatever. And people would be like, well, what do you want to do next? Like, what's it's next? Always, you? Like, what where do you see yourself next? in five years? And I'm like, can I just fucking chill? Like, can I yes. get like this is because it feels judgmental too. It's like, is this not good enough for you? <laughs> like, where do you? I, I want to be president in five years. Like, calm the fuck down. You know, like, yeah, no, so, it's true. 
But then you can't help but because people are always doing that. Like you constantly are doing that. You're like, wait, mm-hmm. is someone else doing more? Should I be doing more? I, I, I thought about it when I was at the Super Bowl. Like here I am my first time ever covering the Super Bowl for ESPN. I'm on every show every day. This is what people worked for years for. And, and when I met her, she thought she was going to be part of the sports center layoffs. <laughs> yeah. So it's like my life shifted so much. And here I get this great opportunity. I'm so excited about it. And I was, once I got rolling there, I was already thinking like, all right, like next year, what should I, I should try to see if I could get to sit down with the quarterback next year. Like it's, it's, it's such a strength, right? Cause mm-hmm. why you're able to get success and achieve it. But as Jane kind of alluded to, as I've gotten older, even though it's there, I, I have learned to really try to appreciate the moment as well. I, I do think having a good balance outside your life is helpful. You know, there was a, a, a good time period. I didn't really have much going on besides work. And I look back at my stuff and it was terrible. And I thought I was so good back then. Um, How could you have just, stuff outside though? You I mean, you just described a scene where you're breaking a news story. And you are stuck at one table all day long with your poor fiance at the time. Like, yeah, you know, finding someone to get that too. Right. Like, thank God he understands breaking news. He, he understood all the players involved that I was talking to because I was on speakerphone and I was borrowing his headphones. Like it was a mess. Um, I think that was, that's become an important thing. And, you know, Jane referenced when we were talking about perception in the league and, and how do you build contacts? I wasn't sure how I wanted to handle getting married uh, publicly if I wanted to. Nobody even knew she had a boyfriend. I can't tell you how many texts I got that said, when did Diana, was she had a live-in boyfriend for a while? I'm like, yes, they're very serious. Like this is how it works. I kept it really quiet because I thought that I needed to stay in the space of young, fun, party girl, like easygoing, single. And I was afraid that that would change people saw that I was tied down, it would age me. Like I just had all these dumb insecurities. Which and I, I kept remember saying, if anything, what works against, I think women in this business sometimes is she, like in my situation, she's 40 and she's not married. Like what's going on with her. And like a exactly. lot of people lead to yes. these great places. Well, it's because she's got these relationships with athletes and whatnot. And you're like sitting there going, yeah, that ain't it either. You know, it's, yeah, like, it's I don't want to be single. Trust me. <laughs> right. You know I, mean, I, mean? I was like, married. I was married at 26 to a guy that was a sports reporter in the business. And like, quite frankly, I pivoted out of sports because he was in sports, worked on my news career for a very, very long time. And so then when it took me all that time to get back to sports, I was just like hyper-focused on that for a while. But, you know, to her point, like I finally found a guy that I'm pretty serious with pretty quick, but he's the first guy I've ever been with that actually loves sports, which is so odd. And it's really nice to feel like you've got a guy that's supportive of that because Racine, you'll talk to this, even girls that are in this business. If I know you've been with your husband for a while, so he's been with you through this process, but when you meet a guy and he sees you kind of at this level and talking to athletes and talking to coaches and GMs, there's a weird power dynamic with some mm-hmm. guys. Like it's very threatening. And so that's something else you have to navigate. And that's why I love her and Kevin is like, Kevin was like the model for me um, for what I wanted and the next guy, just because of how supportive sweet Kev is, and that's him in, in the background. I love Kev. I'm like Kev's biggest hype girl. He, he he gets it, but it, Jane brought up a great point right before, I think it was right after I got married, right before. She's like, 
you better post a wedding photo. I'm like, I, I still think I'm going to keep it quiet. She's like, are you crazy? She's like, I think, I think it'd be good for you. And I trusted her on it. Um, something about the way she explained it. I, I'm not going to be able to paraphrase it perfectly, but it was, it hit home. I was like, she's right. And I'm not saying like it was strategic, but there was definitely a little part of me that's like, I don't, I think people, it's okay to share this side of me. Um, and really the biggest change I've seen, it's not even with athletes and players. It's with my own company. I've seen a lot of really good, a lot of my relationships with my male counterparts and bosses has, have been stronger than ever. Um, it's almost just, this weird dynamic. Like they feel like they can trust you. I, I can't explain it. See, it's funny. And again, you and I, I, you and I are a little that, bit different true. in terms of how we process, like we'll overthink the same situation, but come at it from different places. Like I probably would have led with the boyfriend as a protective measure so that like, if I'm at the bar at combine, you know what I mean? I like to use it. I, as I would like always a, uh-huh. lead with that. Like that's what I, I am not here for yes. this. Jane, like that's that is going to be Jane. up front. Jane yeah. does that. That's her style. She's like right up there. Even if she's like talking to the guy for like a day, she's like, sorry, seeing someone real serious. Like, like she's just like tells everybody about it. I had a situation late at night at Combine where this came up. And again, not to get into too many details, but I just remember it was kind of like this, like being coy that they were going to give me something, but they weren't. And it was like getting late. And I was like, you know what? I'm calling this. And I was like, oh, my boyfriend just called and I'm, you know, I'm going to go back to the hotel and call him. And somebody leaned over and they said, you had a boyfriend? I go, no. But I was like, clearly I'm not getting anything here. And the next day there was a big story that broke, which is very, very frustrating. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it's just, again, there are so many mental gymnastics that come with this job that like, again, you understand it to some extent, Lindsay Rossini definitely under- understands it, but there's a lot of people that don't. And sometimes I don't even like talking about it so much because someone I think put it out the best way. I don't consider myself a feminist. And that's, that's going to trigger some people. Yeah, I consider myself more of an equalist. Like I want to get to a point where there is, or it's not that I don't support women, but I don't want women to be better than men. You know, like I want us to to get to a level playing field. And Jane, you'll see if if you wind up getting really serious um, with the lovely gentleman you're seeing now, um, you will get protective of them too. And that's where a lot of my Mm -hmm. uh, kind of keeping it to myself, I, I, Ke- you know, Kevin is not is works in a totally different industry. He want he he's not he's private himself. He's very private himself. Like he doesn't like any of this, and he doesn't get mad at me. He's not he's not bitter about it. Like you know, he laughs at some of my silly jokes that I put out there about him. Like he 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 plays along, but I I don't want to I don't want his feelings to ever get hurt or someone to say something mean about him or judge him or have his co- you know his company just found out that he's married to me. And he was on a very big earnings call and the CEO of the company he works for was like, wait, what? You're, that's your wife? He's like, yeah. And, it, and he said it was so uncomfortable and, but, but great. He's like, it was great, but it was, it was kind of weird. He's like, and now well, I know. The, and there's a, to your point, there's like a weird side to that too. When I first started dating this guy, we'd only been like four weeks in and some troll follower on Instagram went to his profile, found his sister's profile and like threatened her in like the worst way possible. And like, it really kind of like the family was like, whoa. And so 
you know, to your point, it's like my sister will get stuff. Like, it's just very, like people are weird. And so like, again, it goes back to this weird dynamic of these days, your company are saying, share things about yourself. Mm. But then you're like, what should I share? And so I don't know, it's a weird balance. I operate from a very defensive posture about all of this, right? Like I don't share information. Like my, my kids' faces are not on anything. I'll never post my kids' faces. That has to do with some weird stuff that's happened in my past. And I've kind of learned to be private about anything that can identify like where I live (laughs) or, you know, the people who matter to me or anything like that. Um, But also uh, the, the career stuff, I think the fact that you guys are, you know, doing what you do so well right now is so interesting to me just because I I don't think I could do it. I literally don't think I could be like an insidery type of person that worked sources and was breaking news because of the defensive nature of where I'm coming from for everything. Yeah. Like I, I, I am do like, think it I to want you to, you. I talk to, to people who are young and I'm kind of trying to navigate this space too. people who are trying to get into the business. And I'm like, you have to always be thinking about your brand you know, always. And it's not just, it's not brand in like a gross Instagram brand sort of way. It's how do you want people to view you and how can you control that? And you can't like the fact that someone out there is gross, that has nothing to do with you, but understand that they're going to see the way you dress. They're going to see the way you behave. They're going to see the fact that like how you interact with people, all of this stuff is going to be used to judge you. And you can kind of control the way that, that you want to be seen to a degree by making choices accordingly, taking jobs that will put you in position to get the job that you ultimately want. Like all of these things, you can be strategic about it. Um, I don't necessarily know, though, I've thought about that more in recent years about like, there's also value to just being yourself and saying, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care how you see me. That's yeah, but your problem. Lynn, look at the big roles right now. And, and, and maybe I'm not thinking hard enough right now in this moment. I still think classic professional private still serves a purpose you'll always be able to find a job with that formula i uh, ah! i yes and no amazing. because <laughs> chris mortensen and adam schefter can get away with that and andrea kramer because they're established and they were part of you know the guard that was ahead of us but i feel like the way social media works these days and the way they, they tie value to your brand, I, it's free advertising, you know? And like for NFL Network isn't on every cable package. So you do repost your stuff and you you are kind of a brand. And so I've been, I've got a, a girl that I mentor uh, in, in a market, I won't say which market because I don't want to get her in trouble, but she's been taking a lot of hits about her social media. She was hired because of her social media following somewhere else, but she has a female boss who doesn't like the way she presents herself on social media. So it's like mixed messages that I think we get. And I said to her, I said, I have now started operating from a place of how would I want my boyfriend's sister and mother to view me on the Instagram when they check it out. Now, that's going to be different for some people. Like I could say grandparent to some people, but my grandmother is wild. Like, I mean, I could have posted anything. She wouldn't care. Um, (laughs) And then again, if you have a a girlfriend or a boyfriend, vice versa, but to someone that you care about, how would you want them to perceive you? And, And I want to make whoever I care about proud. And so if, if I'm posting something that's a little risque or, or whatever, like, 
I think now that I lead from that place, it makes it a little bit easier for me to decipher what I'm putting out there. Because you can still like, I think Colleen Wolf is a perfect example of all Mm -hmm. of this. Colleen Wolf is so authentic and fun and has her social media following. And it's, she shares a little bit of her life, not too much of it. And I just think it's, it's, it's a, it's a classy, fun follow. And it's so crazy that we have to go through like Instagram accounts, be like, this one's good. Or this one's like, but I just kind of always say like, I sometimes use hers as an example. I'm like, I just feel like she found the sweet spot. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for uh, I love having this conversation me. with me. We need to get you on more of our group chats. <laughs> yes. Well, now that we have one going, please include me. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'd love that. You'll get some good juicy stories on Jane. <laughs> Diana Rossini from ESPN and Jane Slater from NFL Network. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Liz.